From the DMZ to the NATO front, this is CRN. Broadcasting from the Augusta Precious Metals Studio, this is the Lightning Round. Only on Contra Radio Network. Welcome to the Lightning Round. Welcome. Well, hello, and welcome to the Dave Kirshner and Lightning Round podcast. I am your host, coming to you from the Augusta Precious Metal Studios, and we got a lot of talking to do. <laughs> I got a, I got a bunch of topics, um, but uh, first things first. It is. Uh, we're concluding week 140 of the illegitimate, fraudulently elected Ding Dong's tyrannical reign. We are 401 days from the next presidential election. Um, and by the way, this is episode 146, I think. I, I might have lost count, but I'm pretty sure it's 146. Um, bit of housekeeping I don't know it's not housekeeping but uh, CNE gun shows is going to have um, 300 sold out tables at the Sharonville Convention Center this weekend uh, so if you are anywhere near Cincinnati so that could be southern Indiana northern Kentucky uh, southwestern Ohio uh, there's a pretty big gun show going on this weekend at the Sharonville Convention Center and the address is 11355 Chester Road, Cincinnati, Ohio, 45246. That's about 90 minutes away from me. Um, not sure what my weekend looks like. Maybe I might swing down there. You never know. I do also have to go to uh, um, Deer Creek? No. Kildeer. State Park. I have to go to Kildeer State Park because I have another lottery that I won through the uh, ODNR. So, um, yeah. So, I, I, and we're helping getting the, the in-laws um, squared away for, for winter. We've got um, a memorial coming up next month, uh, November 4th, for my wife's grandfather, who, as far as I know, was the last surviving member of the American code-breaking team in World War II. Uh, he was sworn to secrecy for over 30 years. The family, his wife, his children, they all thought that he was a clerk. Um, and for somehow, some way, some reason, they believe that he lost his eye due to horsing around in the office and he got hit in the eye with a paperclip. I believe that was the story that was told to the to his wife and, and three daughters. Um, turns out he lost his eye in the jungles of Burma, uh, where he was being escorted with Burmese fighters and uh, British and American troops through the jungle. And one of the guides tripped a landmine and he lost his eye due to shrapnel. He passed away this May and uh, he was very much the patriarch of their family, and uh, so it's been a difficult cross to bear for them, but they are finally having a memorial for him on uh, November 4th here in Columbus. He was uh, preceded in death by his, his wife of 50-some-odd years. Um, she died in late 90s from complications due to Parkinson's and things of that nature. Uh, he was 102 years old. Came here as a three or four year old from Sweden uh, with his aunt and uncle. And um, so we got that. To, I got to help 
get the house cleaned up. Not cleaned up, but uh, there were some window replacement things going on. Uh, so there's dust and there's, um, you know, paint chips and, and just, you know, the, the rooms need to be cleaned for my wife's uh, sister and children uh, who are coming from Rhode Island for the memorial service in November. So, and we're helping them get ready for uh, winter. The leaves have already started changing and falling here in central Ohio. Um, uh, I think it has a lot to do with the lack of, of rainwater that we've had in conjunction with the lack of daylight, um, uh, daylight hours, I should say. So I think those things, those two things working together, uh, have really started the fall foliage here. And, uh, according to the farmer's almanac, I'm probably going to get some good use out of the four wheel drive in my, uh, new to me Chevy, uh, Silverado. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. We had a lot of big things happen this year. Um, some of them good, some of them bad, uh, some of them, um, just sad. Um, so that's the update from Columbus. Um, we got a, we got a lot to talk about. Um, so, you know, let's get to it. All right. First things first. Um, Senator Dianne Feinstein has passed away. I'm, I'm not upset about this. I, I send my condolences to her loved ones and family members and what have you, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to miss her in the Senate. She should have retired when her health became a, a problem. So should that Frankenstein looking fool from Pennsylvania, what's his name? Um, they changed the dress code and then changed it back. I, I don't know. That guy needs to retire, too. So should Mitch. Uh, he should retire. And, and to that end, I have done some research. Cue the statistics. Are you ready? Here we go. I went through. Because I Dave's seven planks to a successful presidential run, now eight planks, one of them is term limits. And uh, the new caveat to that is age restrictions. And those need to be placed on both the White House and in both houses of Congress. That's my opinion. We already have term limits for the White House. We need them for the House. We need them for the Senate. And we need to add age restrictions. So if the age to receive full Social Security benefits for anyone born after 1955 is 67 years of age. If you were born from 43 to 54, it's 66. So I went in and I did some I did some sleuthing on the World Wide Web and what I discovered and and I was being generous. I gave them to age 72. Here's what I discovered when I went and looked at the House and the Senate. There are currently 22 Republicans, 21 Democrats and two independents, which basically are Democrats. So 23 Democrats to 22 Republicans in the Senate are aged 72 or older. In the House, there are 17 Republicans that are 72 or older. There are 42 Democrats that are 72 or older. So, I ran the totals. There are 39 Republicans, 63 Democrats, and two Independents that are 72 years of age or older combined between the House, House and Senate. So that's 104 members of Congress that are 72 years old or greater. Then you go in and you look, okay, the House of Representatives is capped by law at 435 representatives for the 50 states. The Senate, obviously, is capped at two senators per state, so 100 senators. Brings you to 535 members of Congress. 104 are 72 years old or greater, and that is roughly 20% of the existing current House and Senate in this country is 72 years old or older. Then I didn't stop there. I decided to go look and see, you know, of some of these old biddies, how many of these people, how, not, not how many, but how long have some of these people been there? This is why we need term limits. When I tell you these numbers of years served, this is going to if you can't get your head around term limits after some of these years and days that they've been in office, I, I, I've got no hope for you. Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley has been, is the longest serving member right now, and he has been in the Senate 
for 48 years and 269 days. Right behind him is Massachusetts Senator Edward Markey. He's been in office 46 years and 331 days. Then you've got Oregon Senator Ron Wyden. You've got New York Senator Chuck Schumer. Both of them have been in the office for 400, or I'm sorry, for 42 years and 269 days. Mitch McConnell has been in office 38 years and 269 days. Maryland Senator Ben Cardin has been there for 36 years, 269 days. Uh, Dick Durbin, 40, 40 years, 269 days. Those are the longest serving senators. The longest serving members of House that I could find, members of the House, are Harold Rogers from Kentucky. He's 85 years old. He's been there for 42 years, 269 days. Same with Steny Hoyer, who has been there for the same amount of time. Oh, no, I'm sorry, 42 years, 133 days. Nancy Pelosi, old Botox Pelosi, has been in office for 36 years. She's roughly made two to four million dollars per year that she's been in office. If her if her wealth categorization, her calculation is accurate based off of her financial disclosures. Uh, Marcy Capture from Ohio, a Democrat, is 76 years old, been there 40 years, 269 days. She's been there since she was 36 years old. That is ridiculous. And some of the other ages, um, let's see, Pelosi was, Pelosi's 82, Steny Hoyer's 83, and uh, Harold Rogers is 85, Chuck Grassley's 89, Mitch McConnell's 80, Dick Durbin's 78, Edward Markey is 76, Ron Wyden is 73, Chuck Schumer is 72. I took 15 minutes to come up with this bit of data. I'll put the links where I found it all in my show notes. Took me 15 minutes to find anybody that was 72 years or older in the House and Senate and the the duration of their uninterrupted duration. They've been there for 40 plus years, 36 years, 42 years. It is ridiculous. We need term limits and we need age limits. If If watching a Biden press conference doesn't tell you we need age limits, I don't know what to tell you. If the data that I just found in 15 minutes to tell you that people have been in office for 35, 40, 45 years, I don't know what to tell you. The fact that Feinstein finally died at 90 some odd years old, she was 89 years old, and she was born on on June 22nd of, of 1933. That is ridiculous. We need term limits, we need age limits, and they need to they need to apply for the House, the Senate, and the White House. It's ridiculous. I'm sick of it. Moving on. All right, well, I'm a I like to think of myself as being an equal opportunity uh, nag on my show, not just bagging on Biden, although he is an easy target. Biden didn't have a good week. He's, he hasn't had a good week, I think, since he came into office uh, 140 weeks ago. But Biden handed uh, a major legal defeat in an attempt to restrict oil and gas drilling in the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, a federal court struck down the Biden administration's last-minute restrictions on an upcoming offshore oil and gas lease sale in a ruling late Thursday evening, Judge, Judge James Kane of the Western District of Louisiana granted a preliminary injunction request from plaintiffs, the State of Louisiana Industry Association, American Petroleum Institute, and oil companies Chevron and Shell to block the Bureau of Ocean Energy Management restrictions. I have never heard of this agency. Bureau of Ocean Energy Management's restrictions on lease sale 261. The lease sale spanning millions of acres across the Gulf of Mexico is slated for next week. Kane ruled the federal government must proceed with the lease sale by September 30th, uh, which according to my calendar is today, the day this show is released, under its original conditions. As a result of the July settlement with environmental groups, the Bureau of Energy Management, is that right? Yeah, Bureau of Energy Management removed 
about 6 million acres from the sale and imposed various restrictions on oil and gas vessels associated with the lease's auction to protect the rice's whale species found in parts of the Gulf of Mexico. The court observes that plaintiffs have demonstrated substantial potential costs resulting from the challenge provisions, Kane wrote in his decision, while the government defendants largely focus on the acreage withdrawal and dynamics of the sale itself, many of plaintiffs' alleged hardships arrive from the vessel restrictions. Industry plaintiffs have shown a likelihood that these will burden their operations on current and planned leases. The resulting costs would not be undone by the court's entry of a permanent injunction and order of another sale. Kane also said the Biden administration's actions appeared to be an attempt to provide scientific justification to a political reassessment of offshore drilling. Dun, 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 dun. Here comes the climate change new Green Deal agenda! Woo! And he said the administration's process looked more like a weaponization of the Endangered Species Act than the collaborative, reasoned approach prescribed by the applicable laws and regulations. Well, what do you know? A judge that's not going to fall for their climate crap. Yay us! That's not all. Joe Biden's brother told the FBI that the family tried to help a Chinese firm buy U.S. energy assets. President Joe Biden's brother told the FBI the first family, including Hunter Biden, tried unsuccessfully to help a Chinese company buy U.S. energy assets and did so believing the firm's leader was tied directly to Communist Chinese President Xi Jinping, according to explosive new documents made public Wednesday by the House Ways and Means Committee on the eve of the first Congressional Impeachment Inquiry hearing. That's treason! Huh. What other term could you ascribe to that scenario? That's treason. It goes on. James Biden told the FBI in an interview last year about efforts by him and Hunter to help the CEFC energy firm in China buy a liquid natural gas facility on Monkey Island off the coast of Louisiana and that he personally met with the chairman's with the company's chairman Yi Yingmeng according to an FBI interview report released by the committee. James Biden noted Hunter portrayed CEFC to him as Chairman Yi was a protege of Chairman Z. You can read the full interview here, and of course I'll give you the, the, show, the link in the show notes. Upon these revelations, Georgia, Rep, Georgia Republican Rep Austin Scott deemed such activities treasonous. Thank you, Representative Scott. Expressing the sentiment on the John Solomon Reports podcast on Wednesday, he's quoted as saying... It just means it's even worse than even I thought it was that they would go that far. If you look at some of these those ports in Louisiana, and I don't have a map in front of me, but like Port Fouchon, that area of Louisiana, just a tremendous portion of the energy that we use inside the United States comes through those hubs. And the idea that you would help the Chinese acquire assets in that area to give, you know, an adversary the ability to control the energy supply inside the United States I don't understand how much more of a traitor you could be than to do such a thing. Thank you very much. That's what I've been saying all along. These are impeachable offenses. But it didn't stop there. Nope. Bad news kept coming because the FBI, an FBI agent, says that federal prosecutors thwarted the Hunter Biden charges, which corroborated the IRS whistleblowers. An FBI supervisor has corroborated key aspects of two IRS whistleblowers' testimony alleging that federal prosecutors slow-walked Hunter Biden's criminal, criminal probe and declined last year to bring tax charges in L.A. and D.C., according to an interview transcript reviewed by Just the News. The female FBI supervisor, whose name the Justice Department asked to be kept private in the transcript, was interviewed recently by the House Judiciary Committee, and she chronicled her interactions with IRS agents Gary Shapley and Joseph Ziegler and Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss, the lead prosecutor in the Hunter Biden probe. While the agent said she had different recollections than her IRS colleagues about certain aspects of the case and did not believe politics caused any delays, BS detector, BS detector, 
She confirmed there were instances in which prosecutors slowed the investigation. Well, wouldn't that be the very definition of delays? Specifically, she confirmed agents were concerned that the DOJ tried to use the 2022 midterm elections to delay action in the Hunter Biden case, even though his father was not up for election that year. She is quoted as saying, I know that that had come up, and it's just the same FBI agent who worked in the Baltimore offices that supervised cases in Delaware. Uh, I, know, I know that that had come up. Delays related to the, ele- to the election, she was asked. Yes, I noted that that had come up, the agent answered. The FBI generally has a rule that public actions not be taken in cases in the weeks before an election that could impact the outcome of the election. That's the Hillary Clinton rule, in case you were wondering. James Comey put that on full display for everybody. Uh, Oh, I should have read further. A rule that was not followed in 2016 when the Bureau opened the Russian collusion probe against Donald Trump a few weeks before Election Day. Yeah, so they're more than happy to go after an opponent, but they're going to run cover for the people that are on their side, a.k.a. Hillary Clinton. That's why James Comey came out and said no reasonable person would bring charges. BS detector! Any reasonable person would have brought charges against Hillary Clinton and for her illegal server and for her actions in starting up this whole Russiagate probe. She should have been charged. She should be in jail. Barack Obama knew about it. He should have been charged. He should be in jail. Same with old Sleepy Joe. Republicans have argued there was no reason to avoid action in Hunter Biden's case in 2022 because Joe wasn't on the ballot during a midterm election. The agent also confirmed that the offices of Joe Biden appointed U.S. that the offices of the Joe Biden appointed U.S. attorneys in Washington, Matthew Graves, and Los Angeles, Miguel Estrada, declined to bring criminal tax charges against Hunter Biden last year, like Weiss had sought. She was asked, do you remember that Mr. Estrada also decided not to bring the case? She said, yes. Okay, so you decided not to partner or he rejected the case, whatever the term is. I understand that, yes, that a decision had been made that the Central District of California wasn't going to. I guess my understanding is that we weren't going to bring the case on their, they weren't going to bring the case on their own. Likewise, she said she had learned at some point that Graves' office in Washington also declined to bring the charges wanted by Weiss against Hunter Biden. She, she was asked, do you remember learning that the U.S. attorney in D.C. decided not to partner with Mr. Weiss on bringing the tax charges for 2014 and 15? She answered, I remember learning at some point in the investigation that Mr. Weiss would have to go through his other processes because the U.S. attorney's offices had, I guess, in that sense, using that terminology, wasn't going to partner. They were not going to bring charges against the president's son for tax evasion and weapons charges because of who his father was. That's it. It was all politics. They don't care about criminality. They don't care that he was guilty as sin. They were not going to bring charges against the president's son because father was the president. That's it. That is the whole shooting match folks and when people say oh the fbi hasn't been politicized uh uh-huh sure they haven't but it's okay ron desantis gave joe biden a little sound bite as a result of his commentary during the second gop debate that was on wednesday night and i i couldn't believe he said it during the second gop debate on wednesday night governor ron desantis took aim at trump who wasn't even there he slammed the absent president who was speaking with uaw workers amid the auto worker strike said that trump was the reason we had the inflation i i couldn't believe it when he said it desantis claimed that the addition of 7.8 billion to the national debt during trump's presidency led to the inflation americans are seeing now Inflation has risen substantially since Biden took office. When Biden entered the White House in 2021, the consumer price index stood at 1.4%, exactly where Trump left it. But in June of 2022, a year later, it was at 9.1%. Later in 2022, it dropped to 6.5%. Biden and his handlers immediately pounced on the clip, using the criticism DeSantis leveled at Trump to take aim at Trump himself. No one on the GOB debate stage had even close to the poll numbers that Trump has. 
Trump is polling near 60%, while combined, the other candidates can barely scratch 50. And here's my confusion, right? So they're quoting, uh, or they're saying, DeSantis claimed that the addition of $7.8 billion to the national debt. But then later on, it says Trump's addition of $7.8 trillion to the national debt brought the national debt to 32 trillion 542 billion 400 million and change today the debt is over 33 trillion and growing substantially so it added 500 billion to the debt since biden's been in office i i i, I don't know what would i mean yeah i get it desantis is running for president he's taking shots at the guy who's in front of him is he trying to save his campaign i don't know Trump's got Trump's got some some work to do. I'm not denying that. He's got a number of indictments from either the documents and the raid at Mar-a-Lago, the election interference if they want to call it that in Georgia. Then he's got the the Yahoo in DC with the J6 stuff. He's got a he's got a tough road to hoe. Um and just this week, I, I believe it was on Sunday, a judge found former President Donald Trump defrauded banks and insurance companies by illegally inflating the valuations of real estate holdings. New York State Supreme Court Judge Arthur Ngoran said Tuesday that Trump overestimated the value of his properties and his net worth in order to seek favorable financing for about a decade. The key is a the claim is a key part of the $250 million civil lawsuit filed by New York Attorney General Letitia James against Trump, his two sons, and the Trump Organization. The ruling allows James to impose sanctions on Trump, his co-defendants, and his attorneys. On Monday, the other charges of the lawsuit are scheduled to go to a non-jury trial, which is expected to last for at least three months unless appeals delay the trial. Judge Angoran also ruled that business certificates for the Trump organization are to be canceled. James claimed that Trump exaggerated his net worth by as much as $3.6 billion on financial statements given to insurers and banks. Trump's properties in the lawsuit include the Mar-a-Lago Club in Florida and his penthouse apartment in Manhattan's Trump Tower. Judge Angoran criticized the arguments used in the case to defend Trump. He's quoted as saying... He claims that if the values of the property have gone up in years since the financial statements were submitted, then the numbers were not inflated at that time. He also seems to imply that the numbers cannot be inflated because he could find a buyer from Saudi Arabia to pay any price he suggests. End quote. Trump has been indicted on various criminal cases, or in various criminal cases, including charges related to his alleged efforts to overturn the official results of the 2020 presidential election, and to charges related to hush money paid to adult film actress Stormy Daniels. The former president is far and away the current frontrunner for the American for the Republican nomination for the 2024 presidential election. Trump's not having a good week. DeSantis isn't helping. Biden's having an even worse week. Politics in this country is in the trash can, folks. We've got people that have been serving in office for 48 years, 38 years, 36 years, 40 years, 46 years, 42 years, 42 years. And the list goes on and on. We have 20% of our members of Congress out of a max of 535, 20% are 72 years old or older. A lot of them are in cognitive decline. We see it in the White House. We see it in Feinstein. We see it in that ding-dong from Pennsylvania, whose name I still can't remember. Fetterman, thank you. Woo! Fetterman, you, the people of Pennsylvania need to get that guy out of office. That guy is an embarrassment to your state. I, that's enough about that. We're going to move on. Next. If you're like me, you've wanted to buy gold for years. Lots of commercials out there. But who can you really trust? I didn't want a bad investment, but I didn't want to miss the boat either. Sound familiar? Fortunately, I've got great news. If you have an IRA or 401k and want to buy physical gold, eliminate fear and uncertainty from the process using the new Gold IRA Company Integrity Checklist. 
It helps you evaluate and choose the best gold IRA company. I used it to personally vet Augusta Precious Metals, and they're absolutely phenomenal. Use this checklist to choose the best gold IRA company. To get your free gold IRA company integrity checklist today, text CONTRA to 68592. Again, text C-O-N-T-R-A to 68592. That's CONTRA to 68592. Or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Have you or someone you know ever had a hard drive crash? Or maybe your cell phone or tablet died, taking all of your pictures with it. You've thought about backing up your data, but all of the plans out there cost too much money for just a little bit of storage space. Well, now there's a solution. Got backup? That's right, Got Backup will allow you to back up unlimited devices, up to 6 terabytes of data for only $9.97 a month. And that's not all. You can earn commissions by referring friends and family too. Got Backup is the only data storage center that allows you to earn income on your referrals. Check out Got Backup now. Log on to john-jeffers.com. That's john-jeffers.com. Log on now. And we're back. Okay, so something is going on in Arizona. I don't know what, but that state... Here's part of my problem. I always thought, felt, assumed, which maybe is a bad idea, that the American Southwest was basically a a Republican uh, stronghold. And... I'm finding that to be less and less true. And I think it's because of the the cities that are in those states. But Colorado, blue, weird. Nevada, blue, weird. Arizona, New Mexico. I just don't understand why there are so many Democrats in these places that are known for, renowned for, being kind of the the American West, you know, don't count California and their socialist crap hole. I just don't understand it. So now we've got some things going on in Arizona. Mysteriously, there was an abrupt change in the Arizona governorship this week when the Arizona treasurer, Republican Kimberly Lee, made an abrupt announcement that sent social media a flutter, stating that she had been notified that she would be serving as acting governor begin late, beginning later this evening until mid-morning tomorrow. So, um, so Wednesday evening through, uh, through Thursday. And there was no other explanation given. It just said, um, while I am pleased to step into this role, I will refrain from naming directors to the 13 agencies that currently have vacancies and will not call the Arizona legislature into session to confirm them. Lee added that she hoped when the governor returned to Arizona, she would promptly name qualified directors that she also wanted to see a swift resolution to this matter. Former Arizona Secretary of State Katie Hobbs has been serving as Arizona's governor in the wake of the gubernatorial election last year, in which she eked out a slim victory against Republican firecracker Kari Lake. Hobbs' reported victory has been hotly contested in court where Lake has alleged that widespread chaos, malfunction, and incompetency resulted in botched election results. Well... We already know that Arizona is a total mess. And so on Thursday morning, the Ikari Lake War Room account on Twitter wrote, Joe Biden arrived in Arizona last night. Katie Hobbs, Adrian Fontes, Chris Mays all arranged to be out of town during his visit, forcing the Republican treasurer to assume control of our state. Why did our entire illegitimate state government leave town at the state at the same time? And Kari Lake wasn't done there. Her little war room account on Twitter also alleged on Wednesday night that they had received word that in violation of our state constitution, Katie Hobbs appointed the same person as head of all 13 state agencies. 
Then their account added, until this is remedied, anything done by these agencies is likely legally null and void. Hobbs has turned the ninth floor of Arizona into a circus. I'm assuming that's the state capitol. While it is unclear exactly what is going on in Arizona's governor off, Arizona governor's office, Lake's allegation regarding Hobbs's reported appointment for her state agencies intersects with Treasurer Yee's comment that she hoped the governor would name qualified directors to these important state agencies and remove the legal uncertainty that exists for all the regulatory actions taken by these agencies. Which makes it sound like Kari Lake is right that anything these people do, anything these agencies do, is going to be illegal because they don't have a director named by the governor. But Kari Lake's not done there. Kari Lake has taken Maricopa County to court after the government buries evidence and election challenge. That's the title. Arizona 2022 GOP gubernatorial nominee Kari Lake is back in state court on Thursday seeking access to review mail-in ballot envelope signatures from November's general election in Maricopa County. Now, if you were paying attention, you know Arizona was a total cluster on election day. There were rainstorms, there were power outages, there, it was a mess. So she's got every right to say this is a bogus result. Maricopa County recorder Stephen Richard denied Lake's request to see the mail-in ballot envelope signatures. But in Monday, in a Monday court filing, the county invoked a privacy interest to protect voters' information as the reasons for the denial of access. In a post on Twitter, uh, Richard said, I believe these envelopes are not public record according to state statute, and I believe them making them I believe that making them public would have a chilling effect on voting, would weaken the security controls on early voting, and would open the door to voter harassment. Lake responded on Wednesday saying, quote, professional victim Stephen Richer is lying again. We're not asking these signatures to be made public. We are asking to review them to assess whether they are legitimate or not. We have strong reason to believe they are not. Clearly, so does Stephen. And there's a bunch of quotes. Blah, blah, blah. In Maricona, Maricopa County Superior Court on Thursday, Lake Attorney Brian Blem argued people put their signatures into the stream of public commerce regularly, noting they appear on credit card slips and various types of legal forms for public use and for the public to see. Signatures tell people, this is who I am. I attest to that. And that's exactly, Your Honor, what people do when they sign these ballot affidavit envelopes. Signatures are not in and of themselves protected, whether they be voters or whether they be commercial transactions. Lake's legal action follows a ruling in state court this month that county officials did not follow the signature verification process required by Arizona law. And I can't pronounce this. I, I want to say Havapai, H or Y-A-V-A-P-A-I. I want to say Yavapai, Havapai. County Superior Court Judge John Naper found that the statute is clear and unambiguous regarding, requiring the recorder to review the voter's registration card and not other documents containing the voter's signature. The statute at issue provides that election officials shall compare the signatures thereon with the signature of the elector on the elector's registration record. If the ballot envelope signature and the signature on file do not match, the county is to reach out to the voter and seek to confirm the person's identity. Lake said in a statement regarding the ruling, Maricopa County's complete abandonment of signature verification standards has allowed for the integrity of our elections to be washed away. She's got a point. Election laws aren't suggestions or guidelines. They're the law. I am thankful the court has reminded Secretary of State Fontes and Recorder Richer of that fact. Following this ruling, I have the utmost confidence that we will win our lawsuit to review the early ballot signatures later this month. And she went on Real America's Voice on Thursday morning and said that Maricopa County is throwing a fit. They're trying to look like we're going to put everyone's personal information out and that these are not for public consumption. And they, frankly, they are. We're going to ask the judge to take a look at this and to grant us the ability to see those green envelopes that they're mail, that people see these see those green envelopes that people mail their ballots back in and we're going to prove that mail-in ballots are not safe are not secure and that many don't have signatures 
that many of those signatures do not match. She, I'll tell you what, I like the little, I like the fire in this little lady. She is not quitting. She is not backing down. Um, and I, I, the only thing I can think is that she and her handlers out there and the Republican Party in the state of Arizona, they, they smell something fishy. They, maybe it's blood in the water. I don't know. And I don't understand for the life of me why the, the, acting governor and secretary of state and the county recorder would all disappear on the day and night of of uh, Biden's arrival out there. I, that doesn't make any sense to me. Something's something's afoot and uh, does not does not pass muster with me. I'm telling you next. All right. Continuing the theme of coming after your Second Amendment rights. The People's Republic of California stand and their ruler indefinite, Gavin Newsom, has he has now signed a bill forcing gun owners to pay a, quote, sin tax and curbing the right to carry. The article says, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed three new gun control measures into law on Tuesday afternoon in a ceremony full of lies, myths, truths, and hostility towards both gun owners and the right to keep and bear arms. Attorney General Rob Bonta took a break from getting his rear end handed to him by federal judges who've recently ruled against several of the state's gun laws, including its ban on large-capacity magazines, micro-stamping, and other safety, quote-unquote, safety requirements, and a law punishing those who create marketing materials that could appeal to minors, to kick off a press conference with the telling statement that you can't be tough on crime if you're not tough on guns. That's the disconnect in liberal brains. They think that if you go after the guns, you're going to reduce crime. The problem is the guns that they're going after belong to legal gun owners. People that are not breaking the law, that aren't doing smashing grabs, that aren't doing carjackings, that aren't doing liquor store holdups. Legal gun owners are not the problem. The problem is not the guns. The problem is with the criminals. The problem is with the criminal justice system. The problem is with the DAs. And they're all getting their marching orders in that fiefdom from dictator Newsom. The article goes on. Of course, it's gun owners, not guns, that these bills are cracking down on. Bonta claimed that the right to carry increases violent crime by 29%, even though violent crime rates have plunged across the country for the past 30 years, even as a majority of states have adopted first shall issue and now permitless carry laws. State Senator Anthony Portentino made it clear that California gun owners are the real target of these bills when he said the state legislature is defining what it means to be law-abiding through SB2, the Bruin response bill that imposes a wide variety of gun-free zones as well as, a new, as, well as new criteria for obtaining a carry license. If you can't get three character references to say you're an upstanding citizen, you shouldn't have a gun, Portentino told reporters while gun control activists nodded in agreement. Of course they did. What other right requires any sort of testimony about your character before you can exercise it? Should you have to provide these character references before exercising your First Amendment right to petition the government for a redress of grievances or peaceably assembling? Do you need to show police officers those references to protect your person and property from unreasonable searches and seizures? It is ridiculous. The amount of crap that the state of California and New York and Minneapolis and Illinois, Connecticut, New Jersey, all of these deep blue liberal bastions of foolishness have tried to place added restrictions on the Second Amendment. And every single time they go to a court that has its head screwed on straight and isn't packed with a bunch of not, a bunch of other liberal loons, they lose every single time. Every single time. We're under attack. I've said it in the last several episodes, pretty much since I came back from my, my summer hiatus at the end of August. We are under a non-stop attack against us. And it is, it's unrelenting. And, and I don't know if I've... If it is coming across to me as being amped up because they have one of their own in the White House and they have control of the Senate by one vote, it just it gives this presence, this 
uh, I, I don't, I don't want to say feelings because it's not about feelings, but it gives the impression that, you know, they, they, they've got one of their own in the White House, so they're throwing everything and the kitchen sink at every single one of their liberal causes. And what they don't realize is that every single one of them degrades and erodes the fabric of what makes this country special. They just don't get it. And I don't think that they ever will. These are the people running around with Che Guevara shirts on and they think socialism's cool and, and you know, what, well, what was wrong with communism? Everybody was equal. These are the, this is the, the, the logic and the thought processes for people that are on, on, on the left. I just don't, I don't understand it and I never will. All right, I got one more thing. Next. There's an article out now, and I, I found it on Fox Business, which I trust more than just general Fox News, but um, the article is titled, Government Shutdown Chances Just Hit 90% Budget Watchdog Warns. As Congress scrambles to avoid a government shutdown, a budget watchdog warns that the chances are not in their favor. Experts see the chances having shot up to almost 90% at this point, Committee for the Responsible Federal Budget President Maya McGinnis said Thursday during an appearance on Mornings with Maria, McGinnis, or McGinnias, I don't know, argued that Congress doesn't have enough time to get done what they need unless every single thing falls into place. The government is facing the threat of a shutdown and causing federal workers to go without pay if Congress does not pass a funding bill by 11.59 p.m. on September 30th, the date of this podcast release, I should say. It's so silly. This is a deadline we've known about. It comes at the same time every single year. Lawmakers in Congress are negotiating over a short-term continuing resolution, or CR, that would extend funding on a short-term basis to allow negotiations over spending levels for the rest of the fiscal year 2024 to play out and legislation to be passed. McGinnis said that she's optimistic about a deal, suggesting that members of Congress could agree to a very short-term continuing resolution to give themselves a little breathing room. I, part of me says, let it shut down. The federal government is so bloated that I think that a lot of Americans share that same sentiment. Let it shut down. Let some of these people experience the pain that we've all been experiencing. Paycheck to paycheck living, um, having to use your credit cards to make ends meet. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, honestly, the, the, the sheer number of unelected bureaucrats that inhabit our government is staggering. It's mind-blowing. You, if you think the numbers that I gave you about the ages of members of Congress and the number of years that they've been serving in Congress is staggering, you should see the numbers for the people that are not elected and they've been working in government in these federal agencies for 20, 30, 40 years. And, you know, they've brought their kids into the system, uh, got them federal jobs. I just, it is so bloated that it, you know, it was no wonder that when Trump got elected and they started trying to move some of these federal agencies to locations where they were actually, their policies were actually affecting People lost their minds. They didn't know what to do if they were going to be so far removed from the collective, from the hive. I say let them suffer. I, I really do. I mean, is are the American people even going to notice that the federal government isn't operating? Probably not. I mean, maybe Social Security people, but uh, people drawing uh, pensions and things like that. But I, 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 and I don't know how to do it, you know. I remember when Reagan fired all the air traffic controllers. Um, how, how, do you, how do you remove the bloat? How do you remove the blight that is the unelected bureaucracy uh, from these federal agencies? Uh, can, can that be accomplished with a Republican president that is going to slash budgets? Um, maybe. That might be part of it. Um, can... The president just wholesale tell these federal agencies you need to cut your staff by 30% by the end of the year? Maybe. I don't know. Is that legal? I don't know. I, 
I'm not that far into what the president can and can't do. Now, I do know they're perfectly capable of going out there and wielding their magic pen and their magic phone and striking up um, executive orders and things like that. I don't know. Maybe you can get it done that way. I don't know. It just There's a lot of unanswered questions there. But I think that the federal government is shutting down. I, I, we got a lot of problems in this country. And maybe maybe the government shutting down is just one more domino to fall so that we can right this ship. I don't know. We'll see. All right, folks, that's kind of all over the place. Had a couple of big major topics there, but uh, that's the show. That's episode 146 of the Kirshner, um Lightning Round. And uh, I'll be back uh, midweek with another um, preparedness show in the Kirshner Files. And uh, don't forget, we don't live in California. There's a gun show in Sharonville. Uh, down in Cincinnati. So if you're in southern Indiana, northern Kentucky, uh, southwestern uh, Ohio, uh, there's a there's a gun show there. So maybe you go buy some uh, some more bullets. Maybe you go buy that that gun you've been coveting. Maybe you go buy a nice uh, holster, or leather belt. Maybe you've got some body armor that you want to pick up. There's 300 tables there this this weekend. So um, go down there and see what's what. You never know. And uh, if you guys are in the Ohio vicinity, um, you might want to consider looking at Buckeye Valley Beef Co-op. They do ship, and um, maybe you guys can get yourself a quarter share, a half share, or a full share of of beef. Or I I believe they also sell uh, pork, so something to consider. Anyway, that's the show. Threw in some rando preparedness topics there, but... Uh, at the very end, so it, it just, I don't know, it's a weird Friday. Um, so I'll be back midweek, and until then, be good, stay safe, keep your head on a swivel. I'm out. Happy Hunger Games, and may the odds be ever in your favor. Mm-hmm.